I doing this morning? Well, good. It's good to be back in the house. I don't know. Um, I know that uh, I heard Pastor Josh did a great job last week. Y'all give it up for Pastor Josh. If you're a first-time visitor, my name's uh, Pastor Bubba. Uh, we actually have three locations and we're one church. I've been in the Crowley Church and the Eunice Church, and today I'm here in Jennings. Amen? And uh, for some of you, you saw it on video, but some of you don't know that I battled with uh, uh, different forms of cancer for the last five years. And two weeks ago, I went and got an MRI, and my doctor texted me while I was in Sunset with my best friend that we were roommates. And when I got saved, uh, I, really got, I really radically got saved, and I broke a bunch of my rock albums and tore up my, all my paraphernalia and my pipes and my paraphernalia that I did drugs with. And, and I, tore, I broke a few of his rock albums I didn't think he needed to listen to anymore. And uh, so we were in a restaurant in Sunset, and I got the text, and the doctor says, there's no cancer in your liver, and your bones are completely healed. <laughs> Glory to God. And I said, I said, Mark, I said, man, I just, I feel like I just want to shout. And I just, we're in a restaurant, and I go, thank you, Jesus. And about, some people choked on their hors d'oeuvres and everything else, but, but uh, you know, we had a, it's just, I just say this, you know, pe- People say, Pastor, how did it feel? I go, can I just tell you how it felt? I, felt very, I feel very humbled. I felt humbled, and I cried, and I felt humble. I called my wife, called my mom. You know, my mom was like, thank you, Jesus. You know, and, you know, and just I remember when I first got it, she goes, you know, I never thought one of my kids would die before me. I mean, she didn't know what she was saying. I said, well, I'm going to do your funeral, honey. But anyway, in my mind, I was thinking that. But, uh, you know, it's so good to be here. I know Pastor Josh last week talked about how to deal with difficult people. And I heard it was incredible. Some of you walked out here and go, man, I got that difficult person at work. And some of you didn't know it, but you were that difficult person that showed up at work too. And uh, so, uh, but this morning, I want to talk to you about something. Is we're just talking, what you asked for it, and we, people are asking different questions. And one of them, one of the things that people asked for was, that, how do I get free, Pastor Baba? How do, I, how do I just live the life of freedom? How do I live the life of peace? How many of you, want to, how many of you feel that way? So, man, I, I just feel like I'm in a constant battle. How many of you, I'm just in a constant battle. How many of you know that we're in a war, and sometimes we lose battles, but that doesn't mean we give up on the war itself, amen? Because we have God, our advocate, Jesus is our advocate, and he helps us. And so, just want to welcome you back. If you're a first-time visitor, just let me just say this, only good-looking people come to our Savior's church. So, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning, and um, today we're going to look at, I'm going to talk to you about how to get free and how to break the cycle of a three-letter word called sin, and a lot of times we don't like to talk about that word in church anymore. We don't like to mention that word. We, we you know, we have a, uh, even in society, you know, sin. I mean, you know, oh, you know, it's like that's just going to turn someone off. But this morning, I just want to share with you just, you know, sometimes there, there, there are things that we, how many know that we all walk through different things? How many, let me just be, let's, let's be honest. Here. How many of you have ever lied in your life? Raise your hand. How many of you have never lied? If you raise your hand, you're a liar. Okay. <laughs> We've all blown it. We've all fallen short. We've all struggled with things. I remember for eight and a half years I, after I got saved, I went to Bible college. And what I did after that, I served. And in, in, in listen, I, I've, been, uh, I've lived in almost every major city in America. For eight and a half years, I, wor- I did inner city work from Atlanta to Detroit to Los Angeles to Seattle to, uh, you know, you just name it. I've been at Washington, D.C. and just did inner city work. We would go to college campuses and preach open air in college campuses. I was, we, I was one those little urchins that bother people on college campuses. You know, you go to Free Speech Alley at LSU. That's pretty radical, okay? And uh, there's just a lot of things that we did. And, we, and, and through that, and then we, we had a lot of people that, you know, they, people just give up on them. The first time I ever saw someone live in a box, first time I ever saw someone live under an overpass was in Eugene, Oregon. And I remember just this guy showing me where he lived. And I remember going in this one, one house, and I literally thought I met the zigzag man that was alive, I mean, he looked like the zigzag man. And, oh, you don't know who that is after the service. And, uh, and so, you know, and it's like, but I can remember just even being a Christian, living a victorious life, there was times that I struggled with things in my own personal life. How many am talking about? How many of you have been married more than two weeks and then you've had an argument about at least a toilet lid being left open up? You know what I'm saying? In the middle of the night. 
But, you know, I can remember going, I was in Olympia, Washington, and, and I'd just been struggling with something in my own personal life, and, and um, it was just getting the best of me. And I was just living in defeat and just like, just the way it's going to be. I don't, you know what I mean? And you, you know what I'm talking about? And, and it's like, finally, I just said, you know, I just got to go talk to some. So I went and talked to the pastor. His name Don Crum, and he's traveled all over the world now. And he was a pastor at this church, and I just began to share with him. And, and sometimes when you got to share with something, you know, you don't want to live the shame. You feel like they'll think I'm terrible. They'll think like, oh, my God, you know. Or, or you, and, but you live with that guilt and that shame and, you know, just to cover up. You just don't want to be exposed. And, and I remember I just, you know, I just, you know, and I found the best way to get rid of things in your life is expose or embarrass yourself or embarrass your sin. And I remember I just went to him, showing what I was going through. And, and, I, and I remember he just, he just really loved me. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Bubba, I don't think less of you. I think more of you now. And he just prayed with me and encouraged me. And, you know, and it just gave me freedom. And it made me have a different approach. He said, I don't have to condemn anybody. But, you know, our job as Christians is to help people out of the pit. Amen? It's not, you know, not looking at them going, you, you know. I mean, we've all been around those kind of people. You know what I'm saying? But I know this. When I gave my life to the Lord, I promised myself I didn't want to be religious. I just wanted to be real. And so I I know it reminds me of a story that I read and uh, just recently, and it's a guy, it was from, uh, in Canada, and, and it was in the, one of the, their papers, and there was this guy that he was actually born blind, and uh, he'd literally walk around town with a, a white stick to be able to not be able to trip over things or to be able to feel his way through and stuff. And one day he was going uh, uh, down some stairs, and he didn't feel the, enough stairs at the bottom, and he tripped, and he fell, and he cracked his head open. And so they rushed him to the to the, to the hospital, and they began to repair him, and then he had to go to a plastic surgeon, and, and the plastic surgeon was looking at his records because they had to fix his eye sockets, kind of put them back in place and stuff, and he said, you know, we can repair your scalp, but while we're doing it, do you want me to fix your eyes? And he goes, fix my eyes? It kind of just went right over his head. Fix my eyes. And so what happened after surgery, they went in, and they fixed his scalp, and they fixed his eyes, and for the first time, He could see in his life. He was 66 years old. But see, he was convinced he would never see. He lived that life that he thought he would never see. And he began to say, wow, there's brilliance in the trees. There's brilliance in the skies. And You know, sometimes that's how we are as people. Sometimes we get to a place in our lives and go, that's just the way I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And we, 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 just, we just reserve ourselves to that. And we think there's nothing can ever happen. Nothing can ever change. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm in the right place. And so we get kind of stuck in this rut. And here's this guy that was blind. Can you imagine? And they could have fixed him all those years that he was 66 years old that he first saw for the first time. And so this morning, you said, Pastor, what does that have to do with anything? Uh, you know, I, do you ever feel like you're in a cycle? And sometimes it could be the cycle that sin you can't seem to get a break. You ever feel that way? You know, and it, it's kind of like the hamster that you had as a kid and they get on that wheel. And they're running all night. And I remember my mom used to wake me up and go, hey, put some grease on that hamster's wheel. <laughs> you, mean, you know that? And I remember we used to put butter on it. Because someone told us if you put 2,4-D, it'll kill it. So you put butter, and they eat the butter, and they lick it, and it gets dry again. And so, but that's how I see some people, they deal with certain situations or, or things in their life, and they're like that hamster, going, I'm going to get better, I'm going to change, it's going to be different, and you know, I'm, and you make yourself all these promises, anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and it's like, you don't seem to go anywhere, and, and you know, did you ever feel like that, that maybe that's what you've had with maybe addictions or behaviors in your life, and that you can't, you just can't get free from those things? So, you know, here's the, the great news. Even, even some of the apostles, can you think about that? Some of the, even the apostles in the Bible struggled with circumstances in their own life. Paul writes in Romans, if you get, it's going to be on the screen, Romans seven fifteen. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. Ever feel that way, dieters? You know, I'm not going to eat this. Come on. Look, my wife can say, I'm not eating chocolate, but if I bring a chocolate bar, it's gone. <laughs> Her and Livy are figuring out who's getting what piece and how much. Is it. I mean, just one of those things. It don't, that just, chocolate just doesn't tempt me. 
If someone came up to me, you know, we killed 12 ducks over there in that pond. I'm, I'm going. Anyway. But what happens when you don't get free from sin, here's what happens. Here's a couple of things I'm going to talk to you about. It becomes a part of your identity. What you begin to do, you start saying things like this. It's just the way I am. Just the way I am. Just who I am. Just the way it's going to be. God doesn't want to improve the old you. God, he wants to make a new you. Amen? And see, you feel increasingly hopeless. You ever feel that way? Oh, man, I'm just not going to. Don't give up. You know, I pray. This is what I pray. I pray today's message helps you to overcome areas in your life that you struggled with and that you walk in the grace of God. That grace means this, the power of God to do what you can't do on your own, that he gives you the power to overcome it. That's what grace means. And see, I want, I want you to experience the presence of God where he comes and he speaks to you. And he, by this Holy Spirit, gives you hope to begin to live a life that you thought you couldn't live. You become defensive. You ever argue with your mate? Whoever's the most defensive is the one that's wrong, usually. I, thanks for all those amens. I, I can just be honest with you. I become more defensive when me and my wife argue. So I'm pretty, pretty much mostly wrong. Because, you know, I try to put up a front and everything else. But we don't argue that much. But the only way you get agreement in marriage and in life is you got to walk through the disagreement to get agreement. Amen? And so you got to, when people expose your sin, you start defending it. Man, do you realize you always exaggerate when you say that? You said that story before, but that wasn't the complete truth. And, oh, I mean, it was kind of like that. You know, you don't let people speak into your life. What you do, you always put up a front instead of letting someone help you to speak truth. Because can I tell you what? Truth hurts. You know, and truth is not always nice. We think, you know, well, it's love. It's peace. You see flowers. It's a Disney cartoon, you know. And can I just tell you something? If your house is burning and you're in bed and you, you, the smoke has gotten to you and you're not waking up, the nicest thing I can do is knock on your door Ring the doorbell, bang the door, and then if you're not coming to the door, kick the door down. And then run to your room and go, get up! Your house is on fire! You're going to die! Huh? Get up! I mean, that's not nice. But it's loving. Amen? You see, sometimes we don't like the package that the truth comes in sometimes. Well, it's got to be this way. It's got to be that person. But sometimes God may send the package that you need. Thanks for all those amens. I like that one. I just thought of that. And then what happens is sometimes when you become defensive, then you become a slave. Your sin, your sin starts telling you how you're going to live your life. The question I have for you, whose voice are you listening to? Does it sound like your voice? Does that voice bring confusion? Does that voice bring compromise? Does that voice bring justification? You see, Romans, I'd encourage you when you go back home maybe to read Romans chapter 6 through 8 because it talks about the power of sin, but yet the power of freedom that Jesus brings and God brings in our lives. And see, I know this is that, you know, that it, when you become a slave to sin, you begin to do whatever, whatever it tells you to do. You don't even think about it. You put it in, you put it in cruise control. You just live your life. I remember when, when I was just living for myself and partying and doing all those things that you do, you think you got to do when you're young and everything. And I remember not even being convicted about what, how I was living my life. Then I started having a grandmother started praying for me. She used to pray things like this. God, bring people and circumstances his way. And guess what? Circumstances are people and things that you see that open your eyes. I mean, what I'm talking about. And my eyes started getting open into things that I wasn't open to before. And what began to happen is I began to see things. And then I began to see that I wasn't free anymore, that I was free as a slave. I was allowing sin to control my life and take me places I didn't want to go, hanging out with people I really didn't like and going further than I ever thought I'd ever go in my life with things. I can remember when I first started doing drugs, I'd go, you know, well, one hit, one joint, one bag, one, well, I'll do this, but I won't do this. 
You put the, you know, you can put it. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be lying. You know what I'm saying? And then and if you're a liar, you lie about the lie that you lied about. And if someone, there's two people and you lied to them, so you got to make the story work so you lie again about the two lies you lied about before. So you're constantly living a lie. You know what I'm talking about, liar? Anyway. <laughs> Whose voice are you listening to? Does it sound like your voice or someone else's? Then you begin to lose your life. Your, your, your potential, you feel like your potential's gone. Your dreams die. You give up on life. God has a unique ability to take everything bad that has happened in your life and turn it around and make it good. Isn't that good about God? You know, God can make a sad life have a a good ending. God can have a life that you can come from terrible circumstances that they know I, I couldn't even imagine. But I can have compassion on you, but I can't imagine what you've walked through. You could have been a victim of verbal abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. You could have had someone where they didn't tell you that they loved you, didn't, didn't show affection, didn't show you. But can I tell you something? You said, well, you know what? I really didn't have a dad that was there. But can I just tell you something? God wants to be the father you always dreamed of having. Well, how's that happen, Pastor Baba? God has a unique ability to turn things around. Romans says it like this. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 through 14, he says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in uh, into sinful desires. Don't, do not let any part of your body become an instrument, or in another version says a weapon of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Sin is no longer your master. Instead, you live under the freedom of of God's grace. That means that you can live under the power of God, that God will give you the ability that you don't have in yourself, but he would breathe his life, just like he breathed life into Adam. He would breathe his ability and his power in your life. Amen? You see, if you want all of God, you got you to gotta go, I'm all in. If you want all of God, you got to be willing to give all of yourself. And here's some points that I want to help you with this morning. How do I get free, Pastor Bob? I love that you're asking great questions, all right? Here's the first thing. Number one, Sid thrives in isolation. Man, bring me one of those. Excuse me. I'm going to turn around and blow my nose. I've been dealing with a cold all week, all right? Turn my Thank you. Y'all still love me? Thank you, baby. Sin thrives in isolation, but freedom thrives in community. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? Satan lives in darkness and longs to keep us there. Anytime you look throughout the scriptures, darkness always represents the enemy or hiding. It's hiding. How many of you hid from something? You remember playing hide and seek, kick the can, all those different things? You had to hide to be able to, you know, to, 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 you know, to make. See, Lies live best in darkness. See, that's why when God calls us to light, he calls us to church. He calls us to a spiritual family. Again, I've heard people say, well, you know, I love Jesus, but I hate church. Well, Jesus died for the church. He gave his life for the church. That's you and me. That's us. And he, he came. How many you know that? Look at your neighbor and go, you know what? I'm not perfect. Look at your neighbor and confess something. I'm not perfect. And then, when the, then the person you didn't want to look to, that they think they're perfect, go, you too. You ain't perfect. All right? Okay? See, he calls us into a relationship where we speak truth to one another. God's created the church to be a community of people that we help each other to fight sin, to fight darkness, but also to love God together. That we can discover God's grace and his forgiveness and his power. And we can celebrate when God touches someone's life and they give their lives to Jesus. Amen? That he becomes their savior. He, he, we know that, that Jesus is our savior, that he died for us. That's what he did. But he becomes our Lord. That's who he is. And so this morning, you know, I think about he calls into a relation where we speak the truth to one another. Ephesians says it like this. It's going to be on the screen. Instead, we speak the truth in love. Growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is head of his body, the church. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. You know, the the Bible says to confess to one another. And right here, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I love that. It doesn't just say confess. You know, I blew it. 
The Bible says when someone confesses, pray for them. And, and the scripture says that they will be healed. Because see, you know what sin does? It takes you places where you never thought you'd ever go. It takes you further than you thought you'd ever go. Then you hang out with people you really don't like. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so what happens is, you know, and, and look what it says. And it says, the earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. James wasn't writing to unbelievers. He was writing to believers that had struggles in their lives. That we could pray for them, that God would heal them, God would help them, God would empower them. And I love this. Love each other enough to chase, to chase after each other if they stray. There's been a few people that are in this church that I've chased after you. Not physically, but if I had to, I would. I'd catch you. Because the doctor started giving me, I started running again after about two weeks. So I'm running again, so I'm, I'm excited. You know, when the doctor says your bones are healed, and she's saying, you can start running. I go, I got freedom now, baby. But, you know, the thing is, it's like when you really love someone, you'll chase after them. You'll love them. There are people that have struggled in our church many times in this community, and they've fallen away. You know what our greatest job is? To reach out to them. Yeah, you don't go, you dirty, rotten sinner. You go, hey, man, I don't know what you're going through, but I face different things. But can we just talk? What's happening? What's going on? What lie are you believing? Why are you believing that lie? Can we pray? Can God, because I just want, man, I love you, man, and God loves you. And you, you know, your eyes, you need to get the blinders off your eyes and, and let those scales begin to fall and you begin to see right again. You begin to have good direction again. Am I in the right church? When you, you know, it says in James, this is my dear brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Here's a question. Who really knows you? Who not only, if they don't know you, but who has permission? Who not only has permission, but who is acting upon that permission to ask you penetrating questions that need you to be asked about your life or your choices? Do you have people like that? If you don't, I encourage you to find someone. You said, well, Pastor Bob, I've tried that, and they took advantage of me. They shared my junk that I had in my trunk with everybody else. Find people that are trusted, that are godly, that care, that will minister to you, and that will try to set you in. You know, can I kind of tell you something? At the heart of every problem lies a problem of the heart. Can I say that again? At the heart of every problem lies a problem of the heart. See, are you answering those questions honestly? And are, are, you, are you hiding details or painting over your sin to guard your image? Well, if I share with people what I'm going through, they'll think I'm such and such and such. You know what? The most important thing is that you can do is confess it, repent, get rid of the guilt, get rid of the shame, and get the power of God and the victory that God wants to give you in your life and begin to walk in that assurance and walk in his forgiveness and walk in his love. Amen? You see, don't hide from God's gracious aid a loving, of a loving relationship. I used to have a friend. His name was Angelo Gonzalez, and he was the tallest Puerto Rican I ever knew. We would go preach together. He was six foot five Puerto Rican. That's a tall Puerto Rican. And he, we would go preach at places, bus stops, inner cities, and he'd always start out, and he'd be loud. He'd kind of go, hey, you can't hide from God. Then he'd go, You. You can't hide from you. I mean, they have all these. He preached one line message. You can't hide from God for 10 minutes. And by the end of the thing, I know what I can't do. I can't hide from God. Man, get to the next point. But the reality is we can hide from people. But can I tell you something? God sees us. Every day I get up, I'm exposed to I might not be exposed to everybody, but I'm exposed to God and his spirit. And what his, his greatest desire is that I would be in right relationship and you would be in right relationship with him. So he will send his Holy Spirit to begin to woo you back to himself. He just wants to woo you. See, the second point is sin is deceitful. 
Freedom is intentional. See, sin will try to begin, it's deceitful. It begin, it's like um, one of the things that I, I like to hunt, and one of the, they have these decoys, they're called flambeau decoys. And what they are, and their motto of their duck decoys or goose decoys, they just make decoys. And their motto is that realism that gets results. That's their motto. And so what it is, the enemy is trying to make something look so real. Hello. And make you want to go, i got to have me some of that. It's like those decoys are made when the ducks fly by and go, man, look at that. That's some good-looking ducks down there. Ooh, she's looking hot. But if you're a bad caller, they go, that ain't a real one. But what happens, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the ability to deceive something, to make something think that it's real. You see, do you, don't be deceived. Sin's slope is slippery. What do you mean? The longer you walk along the edge, the more likely you're liable to slip in. I remember being a kid one day, and it had a bad rain, and we were at a gully. And we were just standing and watching the water just coming down fast. And, and I got close to the edge. And when I got close to the edge, I didn't slip in, but the ground gave way. And I remember going into the gully just trying to grab on anything. And they had Johnson grass. You know what Johnson grass is and that long grass. And I remember and it can cut you and all that. I remember grabbing some Johnson grass. And my friend came over and grabbed my hand and pulled me up. Saved my life. Because, I mean, I was... 10, 11 years old, and that water could just could have done whatever. You know, I, I think, well, maybe I could survive. I don't know. I probably would have drowned. But what happened is, is that I got so close, and Hebrews says it like this, you must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Because, see, what, what sin does, it hardens your heart towards truth. It hardens your heart towards the voice of God. Proverbs says it, says it like this. Now, my sons, listen to me. This is Solomon, the wisest man. Just never stray from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her. Do not go near her door, the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and you will lose, lose to merciless people all you have achieved. And what he's saying is, if you read Proverbs chapter 5, and you go, I just encourage you men, if you struggle with things in your life, in your, your thought life, Proverbs chapter 7, it gives, it gives a whole list. of Be careful. He begins to describe uh, uh, sin is like a woman that's an adulterous woman that has set her bed and she's coming, she's laying in my bed. And I have cinnamon and myrrh and things and come and see. But the Bible says that, he said, but the man does not see. He's like a sheep going to slaughter. And see, what happens is he's sharing this, and these men became blinded by deceitfulness of their sin where they were led to the ditch of destruction. They slipped in. They didn't see. They didn't see where the end would be because they were living by a momentary. Listen, if you live for the moment, a moment of pleasure, it can destroy you. It can destroy a lifetime of what you tried to build up. Just for a momentary moment of pleasure. Destroy a life. Destroy a family. First Peter says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. How many of you know we're in a war? You see, what ways are you flirting with sin in your life? How are you flirting with it? What provision are you making to the flesh with regard to your lust or your desires. or i got to have it because I think it's okay and it's not going to hurt anybody. But, you know, and we try to justify things. And see, what guards have you set, you stepped over? What guards have you stepped over? What emails have, are you deleting? What histories are you erasing? You know, it's just like when God came to Cain and he says, Cain, remember he was jealous of Abel because God was accepting his offering because it was from the heart. And he says, Cain, in, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, he says, sin is crouching at your door. It wants to master you. It wants to take you. But he, he, he warned him. He said, but son, get right right now. Do not let sin take over. Don't let your evil desires. The tempter's looking. Listen, the enemy is always looking for an opportunity to pounce on you. You know, because when you blow it, you know what he's going to do? Mm-hmm. And you thought you could overcome that. Uh-huh. You can't do that. You've tried. We know who you know who you are. You're just like your mama. <laughs> I don't want to be like mama. You are. 
And sooner or later, when she gets old, when you get old and you say goodbye, your arm's going to keep flapping goodbye. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, just no Anyway, I'm bad. I'll stop right now. Oh, pastor. The question is, how are you making the enemy's aim easier at you? The Bible says flee from sin. Don't flirt with it. Instead, in, in Romans it says, instead clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge in evil desires. So let, let me give you an example. If you struggle with alcohol, and you say, well, I'm not going to drink anymore, and you go set your, and you go, well, you know, I'm going to the, I'm gonna sit at the table closest to the bar, but I'm not going to drink. Can I, can I just say something? You're making a provision for the enemy. You're going to get sucked back, and you're, not, and you're going down, baby. You're only kidding yourself. The Bible says make no provision for the flesh. Or, the Bible says take hope. Are y'all with me? I'm in the right church. Okay. Second Timothy says run from anything that stimulates your youthful lust. I think about Joseph when he was in Potiphar's house. Remember, Potiphar's wife was always trying to make a hit on young Joseph. He was the kind of young, good-looking young guy, and she was going, hmm, he's hot. It's kind of like watching one of your television shows. Ooh, he's good looking. If he came to Jenny's, ooh, I'd get, mm, 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 mm. And every day she was walking around. She goes, I got I to gotta, I gotta get a little kiss from Joseph. Ooh, Joseph, my man. But Joseph was always like, oh, I'm going to the next room. I got to find something else to do. He could feel it. You know what I mean? You ever feel it? Okay. If you hadn't, okay. Well, anyway, praise God. And so what happens is he's like dusting in the room. And she comes to him and she goes, hey, Joseph, you want to go to the back? We can fool around. He was like, oh, oh, shoot. And you know what he did? She goes, she comes and she literally grabs his tunic. Come with me. And he goes, no. And what happens, he takes off, and he's naked. But he runs. He runs. Some of you need to join the Joseph Club and run from sin. And when he ran, you imagine? She went to her husband because he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't give her away. You know that Joseph boy? He'd been walking around here. You know, you end up, and she goes, he tried to make a hit on me, and here's his tunic. And you imagine Potiphar went and looked for him, and he's naked. I mean, what, what kind of defense do you have? See, the question is, are you making provision where you can run? Some of you need to join, join the Joseph Club and run. Run. Get your run on. Amen? Let me, let me you go, well, I got to taste it a little bit. You don't need to taste it. You don't need to experience it. You don't need to go there because can I just tell you something? Listen, with drugs, alcohol, any of those things, listen, you don't know what's in your DNA. And you don't know how far it's going to take you. And you don't know what it's going to do to your marriage. Amen? And people try to justify things. Well, you know, it's this, it's that. Makes me feel good. Well, you know what? Now I can smoke it. Well, smoke some, you know, if you can smoke some Mary Hoochie, why don't you smoke some uh, poison ivy? You know, it. it it ain't legal. I mean, it's not, it's, 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 whatever. Anyway, I don't want to go there. <laughs> Number three, let me get back to the message. Number three, pride blinds us to sin. Whew. Humility leads us to freedom. See, Proverbs, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. First Corinthians says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Same sins that barred the Israelites from the promised land, can, can I tell you something, can prevent you from living the life, abundant life that God has for you. Because they were always going, you know, man, back in Egypt, back when I used to party, back when I used to do this, back when, I, but you know what? What you really need to do is go, God, let me remember what my, how I was thinking when I was doing all that. Because see, let, let me just say that. If sin wasn't fun, none of us would do it. 
If it didn't feel good, come on, didn't help you to escape a little bit, none of us would do it. Come on. I'm not talking about, okay, let's have a confession. How many of you ever had a buzz? How many of you say it felt pretty good? Come on, like, in church? Come on, Pastor Bubba. Yeah. But can I tell you something? But sometimes, yeah. But you know what? Then we don't realize that all of a sudden, you know what? There's a payday for everything that we do. And that payday is a wrecked marriage. Kids that walk out with a dad, someone that goes to jail because of a compromise they made. Who knows? And so, you know, it's like many people think that, that some serious sin would, would not happen to them. Oh, that, you know, that's them, but not me. Uh, can I just give you, uh, let's not forget, you ever heard a guy named Samson? Strongest man in the Bible. Strongest man. I mean, he took a jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistines. I mean, that's a bad dude. I remember one time coming home one day, and I go, boys. And it was when Zach and Andrew were little. And I go, and Matt might have been a baby. And I go, hey. And I found a jawbone, you know. And I go, I found it. And they go, what, Dad? What? And I go, the jawbone that Samson used to kill the 5,000. Whoa, Dad. Andrew brought it to school and told the whole school that it Joe down. He had the job. He wore it around his neck. I put a thing in it. Finally told him, I think it's a cow bone, son. <laughs> he was convinced he had the jawbone of a donkey. I won't say what the King James Version calls it. But anyway, that's what we've become when you, anyway. But you know what? Samson, the strongest man in the Bible, here he was wiping out, doing great victories. But there was a compromise in his life. And you remember the girl, Delilah? She calls him the compromise. And remember, it came to the point, she was, oh, tell me where your strength comes. He tells her all these different things. Finally, she just wears him out. And she does, she pulls this one. If you love me. I mean, it really says it in the Bible. This is what she said. If you love me, you will tell me now. Okay. It's in my hair. I have a Nazarite vow. I won't drink alcohol. I won't cut my hair. And I'll, I'll only eat certain things. He made a vow. That's why he was born. His parents made a vow to God. So he gave away the secret of his strength. And we know what happened. They, gulged his, they put his eyes out, cut his hair, and he was weak as any man. But his greatest feat was at the last thing where his hair grew back. And we know. How about the guy? Another guy, a man after God's own heart, David. Listen, it was late at night. He was watching Showtime, HBO. Hey, it was the closest thing you could get. He knew that women would be maybe bathing in the morning in the cool of the day or at night. He goes outside. He sees a beautiful woman get undressed and get in the bath. Instead of changing his channel, he goes, whoa. No one's looking. Hmm. I'll watch a little more. Then he begins to tell us, who is that girl? And I love his servant. He goes, my Lord, that's Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, your servant. See, let me just tell you something. God always gives a way of escape. But what he did, you know what? He kept watching the channel, kept having the same thoughts. And he gave in to the power of sin. And we know the consequences. See, let me just say, with every decision we make, there are going to be consequences. And sometimes you don't see them right away, but eventually you're going to have to walk through those things. Amen? And so here are these guys, and they were, they were, they were overcome by sexual, they were overcome by temptations of sexual sin. And what happened is that James, no one is above temptation to sin in any grievous way. Amen? How many of you have had friends that have lost their marriage because they gave in to some temptation? Hello? And y'all don't get quiet on me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're still dealing with the pain and the circumstances. You see, James says it like, and he who gives grace generously, as the Scripture says, God opposed the proud but gives grace to the humble. What does that mean, Pastor Bob? What does that mean? When I get to the point that I don't think that I need to read my Bible, that I don't need to pray, that's saying I can do it in my own strength. That's what God's saying about being proud. 
It's not big going, wah, wah. it's just, it's not even having a posture. It's just saying, you know, I had a good time last week, so I don't need to pray this week. I don't need to talk to God. God says he, get, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What does that mean, that you can go before God? And I'm going to share, there's, there's a scripture here in a minute I'm going to share about. You can literally go before God and share your heart. And see, the last thing, number four, and it's the final thing, freedom is found in loving Jesus. Amen? Somewhere along the line, all of us can begin to drift. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We can all drift. You know, prayers can become less passionate. You know, the word of God grows dusty. You know, and we've we got to blow it off. Love for Jesus becomes something spoken of in the past tense instead of what's happening right now. Don't allow your hearts to grow cold toward the Lord who loves you. Yeah, here's the words of a promise afresh. Listen to what it says. So then, since we have a great high priest, Hebrews 4, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of our understand, uh, our high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same things we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And look, underline these two words in this last sentence. There will, underline that word will, will receive what? His mercy. It's not thinking about it. You will receive his mercy. Will. That's not a maybe. It could be. It's a will. Receive his mercy. And here's the other one. And we will find grace, power that we don't have in ourselves to help us when we need it most. What does that look like, Pastor Baba? That means that I've seen people, you can go to the throne of grace boldly. You know, oh, God, and we start giving God a shopping list. God, do this, 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 and this. And really what he's really saying, he says, you know what? When you've been faced temptation, if you walked or if you failed or if you need God, you can come before God. I come to you. You're my father. I blew it. God, I've allowed the lie. I mean, I lied to my friend yesterday. And God, I've had to lie about the lie to kind of cover it. And God, I don't want to live the life of being, being that way. I used to be that way, and I don't want to go back to that way. And God, I just come to you. You said to come to your throne room, you know, with boldness and, and that you would give me the grace that I need. And God, I, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I receive your forgiveness, but now, God, I want to walk from this place in humility. I want to walk. I'm going to go confess it. I'm going to get it right. Whatever I have to do, I'll do it right because I want to please you. I don't want to please people. I don't want to paint a picture. I'm not concerned about it. My image, I'm more concerned about your image and your heart because I want to hear your voice and I'm going to follow you all my days of my life. So God, will you help me? Hallelujah. That's going before the throne of grace boldly. Yes. Knowing that he has the ability to do what you can't do yourself and he's going to give you the supply and what you need. And there's no sweeter assurance than just God helping you. Amen. You ever go somewhere where you're afraid and your daddy came to you or someone, an uncle or grandpa, and said, I'll go with you. I remember I was five years old. I had to go to St. Patrick's Hospital, and I was going to get my tonsils out at five years old. So my grandfather, I don't know why he was with me, my Paul Paul Melton, and he comes with me and he goes, all right, boy. And I was like, oh, God. And they, back then, I don't know, maybe it was my imagination, but when I was five, back in the day when I was five, needles looked bigger. And they had this needle, and they had a tube, and they were going to take my blood. I never had blood drawn from me. Now, walking through cancer, believe me, you get lots of blood. We want to suck your blood. Anyway, and so I remember going there at five, and they just, and I'm like, and they stick me in a, and in my heart, I'm going, I'm not crying. I'm not going to cry. And I remember, man, they did it, got it over with, and I didn't cry. And I remember my grandfather, I mean, he goes, he looks at me, he goes, that's my little man. That's right. I didn't feel little, and I felt like a man, but I wanted to cry bad. He stands right there with us to encourage us, to strengthen us, say, you're going to make it. You're going to, even though you're walking through the valley. See, nothing, grow, nothing grows on the mountain. Everybody wants to be on top of the mountain, but nothing grows on top of the mountain. Things only grow in the valley. Amen? 
And sometimes we've got to go through the valleys of life. And you see, he stands ready at God's right hand to supply the grace and the mercy we need. You know, God, when he created every one of us, he made us to face storms. When shipbuilders build ships, they build them for the storm, not just to walk through, just to go through the water. Come on. They build them for the storm. And see, God had that in mind. In, in the crisis, you discover who you are. Come on. What you're made of. Don't curse the circumstances that's out of your control. Because can I tell you something? Your crisis will take you where God wants you to go. It'll take you. The Bible says draw near to God. You know, draw to him daily, moment by moment. In, in hopeful expectation that, that, he's, that he's better than any fleeting pleasure that might entice you in your heart. Am I making sense here this morning? You walk with him. Rekindle that passion. Ask him to help you. See, a lot of times we allow our lust to carry us. Away, And we end up doing things or buying things or thinking things are a certain way because they come. You know, you get a Cabela's advertisement and they go, baby, the bass boat I've been wanting, it's on sale. Praise God. It's the Galois the Lord. She goes, no, it's the devil. And you know it is. Jude says it like this. Jude 24 and 25. Now, all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away. And will, and, and, will be, and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without single fault. You know that one day we'll stand before God. You imagine, you imagine what life would be like without being tempted. Come on, somebody say peace. Can you imagine that? Not being critical of someone else, not having a traffic jam. Come on, cats aren't there. Praise God. I mean, people. I don't. What is it? What is infatuation with cats on Facebook? I mean, anyway, just anyway. I don't want to go there because it's something I've got to overcome. I'm going to go give it to the Lord after service. All glory to Him who alone is God, our Savior through. Jesus Christ, our Lord, all glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time. And in the present and beyond all time. Can I just say something? God's love is unconditional. Can I tell you this? God loves you enough that he sent his son. He had one son, and he sent him as a missionary to reach you and me. He demonstrated his love while we were yet living the way we were living that he was willing, out of obedience, to go to the cross and die. To take on my sin, your sin, my selfishness, your selfishness. To take it on himself. He who knew no sin took on my sin and your sin. But he didn't stay on the cross. I like what that African-American pastor said one time. He goes, Friday. They didn't put my Lord on the cross, but that was Friday. But Sunday was coming. Friday, they thought, we're giving up. Friday, they thought, we, we ain't going to make it. Friday, the disciples then left the Lord. That was Friday, but Sunday was coming. And he keeps going, Friday, Sunday, Friday, Sunday. And then finally, he gets to Sunday. Go, but Sunday, they went and looked in the empty tomb. That was Sunday. Not only Sunday, but he died. He rose from the grave. He appeared to Mary. He appeared to Peter. He appeared. Can I tell you something? And, you're, and when you think you want to give up and it's your Friday, God's got a Sunday coming for you. Are you hearing me? That you walk in his victory. You walk in his power. When everybody's wrote you off, oh, you know, their marriage is all messed up. He screwed up. He did this. She's a, oh, she's just, she's just a, she's just a, whatever. You know? I mean, she's a head case. Whatever. And people are writing you off, washing their hands of you, but God comes, oh, yeah, that's our Friday, but, boy, I got a Sunday coming for them. And when they come to that place and they go, God, I need you. You, you said you love me. I come to you. Here's me. Here's me. You know, God takes you just like you are. You can wear your Sunday best, but that ain't going to change what's on the inside. Because God sees. And, 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 
God's never turned off by anybody that comes to him. And you're never diminished in his eyes. You're the apple of his eye. The only question is, will you plant yourself in the place where you can be drenched with his love and his forgiveness and overwhelmed by his power? Because you know what? You know what? Can I just be honest with you? What drew me to God was I was messed up. I've been caught with drugs. I've been going to see a counselor. I was, at the, I was at a Catholic school two weeks left to graduate. I had to stand before the, the school board, and we lied. I became a Catholic at 10 years old. Did you ever go to confession and lie in confession? I did. How many of you are talking about, don't look at me like, there ain't no halo over your head. But that God can give you the ability to live the truth, and the truth is in you, and you've been set free, and you don't have to wear a mask anymore. You don't have to put a put on. You don't have to live to an image. You don't have to be someone that you're really not. You know the best Bubba is? Me. I'm the best Bubba I can be. You know, I used to want to preach like Pastor Jacob. I'll never be as tall as him in heaven I will be, but not here. You know? But you know, the best Bubba is me. The best Pastor Josh is Pastor Josh. The best you is you when you're just who you really are. And you know what? When you, get, when you learn to walk in God's freedom and his power, can, let me just give you a hint. You know what happens? You don't have to try to be anybody else. You don't have to worry about insecurity. Oh, people find out. So what? You know, I've had people go, you know what? You didn't, I, I said, look, if you want to know junk about me, just come ask me. I'll tell you more junk you want to hear. Because, see, the reality is Jesus came, and he saw what we faced. He endured it. He was tempted in every angle. But he overcame. So you and I can overcome. He knows what you need. Listen, I might not know everything you experience in life, but I can say this. I can have compassion, but I don't know what you've experienced. Just like you don't know what it's like to walk through cancer, can I just say that God blessed me with it? Because you know what? It draw me close, closer to God. You understand? I've seen other people that walk through it, and they go further from God. I've been in, those th- in that chemo room when they're shooting people up, and they got the bags, and they're going to be there five, six, seven, eight hours during the day. I've seen people freak out, you know, and I have the, the little, my little Catholic ladies over there that I preach to. They love me, and lady freaking out over here. I'm talking to her. Can I pray for you? And they go, man, you better listen to that little boy. He knows the Lord him. <laughs> and to be able to pray with people, to give them hope in the midst of where there seems to be no hope. Are you hearing me? God loves you. If you came to our Savior's church for only one reason today, it would be this, that you, can, you don't have to live the life you've been living. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to live in isolation. Quit standing too close to where you're going to slip in and fall and then come to the place where you come to a loving relationship where it gives you the power to be an overcomer, not through religion, but through a personal, intimate relationship with him that he can speak to you, he can help you, he can empower you because he 